the transcendence of God. The word transcendence when dealing with God means that he is exalted far above the created universe. It means that he is beyond our perception. It means that he is independent of the universe. It means that he is completely other when compared with us. He is exalted far above the created universe. This is true about God. He is transcendent. And all things being equal, this should make him unknowable to us. We shouldn't be able to even know him, much less have any kind of a relationship with him. That should be an impossibility because he is transcendent. Yet God has put within us the ability to know him and has chosen to reveal himself to us. But this creates a problem. Because how do you reveal things to a person that are too high for them to understand? You see the problem here? God is transcendent. He is unknowable to us. So how do you make yourself known to someone who is incapable of knowing you? Put it this way. Jewel is a teacher, and she knows English. But if tonight I asked Jewel and Philip to come up here, and I asked Jewel to explain to Philip what a gerund and a dangling participle is, it would be an interesting conversation to listen to, would it not? Because you're scratching your head yourself saying, what in the world are those things? But to try to explain those concepts to Philip at this point would be extremely difficult. They are beyond his ability to comprehend. Now in 10 years or so, they will not be out, outside of his realm. He will grow into that. But at this moment, it would be interesting to watch the words and the illustrations that she would have to use in order to convey those ideas to get him at least in the ballpark. When God is trying to reveal himself to us, his transcendence is a problem for us because he is totally outside of our ability to comprehend. But in his wisdom and power, he makes himself known to us. He uses words like high and lofty one, words that we can understand from our material world. But when you think of the words high and lofty one, what you really think of are in terms of space and distance when you hear those words. But it's what it's really actually referring to is quality of being. The high and lofty one is not so much distance, how far away he is, but in the difference in quality of being. God is transcendent. He is far above us, not in distance, but in quality of being. Let's see if we can get a handle on this. If we were going to chart all the known creatures of creation, if we were going to chart them from simple to complex, we might start with the amoeba. And then, if we just chose a few out of the hat, we might go to a worm, and then a butterfly, and then a bird, and then a horse, and then a man, and then an angel. And if we were going to sort them according to their quality of being, their complexity, 
we would put the amoeba over here and then we would put the worm, you know, there'd be some distance between each one and some would be closer together than others. Do you understand? If we we're trying to determine the quality of being, the complexity of life, we would, con we would stretch them out and they would some be closer and there'd be a little discrepancy amongst us which one should go where, but we would put them all in a chart. And we'd have the amoeba clear over there and we would have the angel someplace on the other far side of that. Now, where would you put God on that chart? Now our mind tends to put God over here and the angels closer to God than to the amoeba. Do you understand what I just said? We tend to put the angel closer there, but this is wrong thinking. Because the distance between an amoeba and an angel can be calculated. The distance between the angel and God is infinite. It cannot be calculated. Can you get your mind to get a hold of that? Let's illustrate it. Let's just say that we had a chart that was as long as a football field, 100 yards long. And we made this chart, and so we just started to chart all of the creation. If we charted the amoeba to the angel, and we put them all as far as they could apart from each other and made that reasonable, they would take up the first inch on the football field. From the angel to the amoeba, from the amoeba to the angel, it would take up one inch on the football field. And to put God on the chart, We'd walk clear to the other end and there wouldn't be enough room. We'd have to extend the chart out because God is transcendent. He is so far above all of the creation that he cannot be charted. He is transcendent. He is high. He is lofty. He is far, far, far removed above us. Now, oftentimes, men will give God eminence, meaning he, they believe he's important. Some men will give God preeminence, meaning he is more than important. He's more important than everybody. But actually, God is transcendent. He is far, far, far away and above everything and everyone. It is the transcendence of God. Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote this poem. Lord of all being, throned afar. Thy glory flames from sun and star, center and soul of every sphere, yet eat to each loving heart how near. Lord of all life below, above, whose light is truth, whose warmth is love, before thy ever-blazing throne, we ask no luster of our own. God is transcendent. We're going to sing a couple of songs here. They're not familiar to you, and so you'll have to kind of really pay attention. Cole will try to teach them to you. And then John Barry is going to read some scripture. When he's reading the scripture, I want you to circle in those verses where God is transcendent. The, the areas, the aspects of life where God is higher than you, transcendent above you. Now we know what the transcendence of transcendence of God means, what difference does it make? Remember, we're not just doing a mental study here or a theological study. It is a 
it has a purpose what we're doing. It is supposed to have an effect. It's supposed to change us. It's supposed to draw us closer to God. So what effect should the transcendence of God have? I have three. There's more, but I have three tonight. One, we should take full advantage of the privilege of knowing him. Yeah. We should take full advantage of the privilege of knowing him. Let's see if we can get a handle on this. When I was in the sixth or the seventh grade, we'd moved up here, and I had a friend who was from Dad's first church down there in Round Prairie. And that friend, his family always came up at the fair time, and they would camp at the Adventureland campground, and they would go to the fair, and they would go to Adventureland and all of those things. And so when the, the day they would go to the Adventureland, uh, my friend and I would go to Adventureland together. And that's back in the day, the good old days, when kids were allowed to roam freely. And you didn't worry about your kids. You turned them loose, and you just went anywhere, everywhere. And so he and I were in the, he was in the fifth grade. I'd have been in the sixth grade, something like that. We were in Adventureland all day long by ourselves. Now, what do you think we did? We found there's a bridge. I don't know what's there anymore. It's been a long time since I've been there. But there was a bridge that went into the area that they called Riverview. And underneath that bridge was a creek, but it wasn't a running creek. It was a man-made, what we would probably call an oxbow. It was a creek. It was a pond, a creek-shaped pond. Okay, there wasn't flowing water in it. And in this creek, it was, I don't know, semi-deep, a couple feet deep, I suppose. Underneath this bridge, we found that it was overstocked with little bullheads. And when we spit into the water, these bullheads were so hungry that they would come up and eat, I don't mean to gross you out, but they'd come up and eat the spit off the top of the water. Eventually, Adventureland put in gumball machines that dispensed food up there, and you could put your quarter in and feed the fish. This was before that, and so all these little hungry bullheads were down there eating under the bridge, you know, waiting to eat under the bridge. So what did we do? We went down underneath that bridge, laid on our bellies on the bank, took our hats and put them down under the water and would spit in the water and then try to catch the fish in our hat that came up to eat that. Now, can you envision that? Here's two kids laying on their bellies trying to catch. What are you going to do with it once you catch it? There's nothing to do with these little bullheads, but that's what we were doing. Now, think of the absurdity of that scene. Think of the absolute absurdity. Here you're surrounded by $50 million dollars worth of amusement park rides in a place where you're only going to get once a year. And what are you doing? Spitting in the water trying to catch a bullhead that you can't do anything with. That is an absurd picture in your mind, yet we did it. And I think that is a very close picture to what the average Christian does in his life. Here we have a transcendent God, a God who is totally unknowable, and yet he has given us the privilege of knowing him. And instead of getting to know him, we're just spitting in the water trying to catch a little bullhead that has no purpose. I'm telling you, when we understand the transcendence of God, it should make us desire to take full advantage of the fact that we can know him. It is a privilege to know God. And to not take advantage of that is absurdity. The second thing, it should cause in our lives the fear of the Lord. 
The fear of the Lord in the Bible doesn't mean to have your knees knocking together. The fear of the Lord, if you've ever heard me teach on this before, there's an acrostic that I like to use. RAT, R-A-T. You fear a rat. RAT. Respect, admiration, and trust. This is really what the fear of the Lord is. It is respect, admiration, and trust. Let me ask you, because I don't want the answer. How many times have you been flippant with God? Flippant in your attitude, flippant in your obedience, flippant, flippant with the name of God. In this world, there is a lot of flippancy with God. But he's not your pal. He's not your buddy. He's not the man upstairs. He is the transcendent God. And it's only by his grace that we can even speak his name. Our thoughts, our words, our actions should always reflect the understanding of his transcendence. We should fear the Lord. And three, as with all of his attributes, it should cause us to worship him. All of these attributes should cause worship to spring forth from our heart. It should cause us to acknowledge God for who he really is. Something like, Oh, Father, I am but dust in your sight, and yet you have allowed me to know you. Thank you for the grace that allows me to draw close and gaze upon the wonder of who you are. The transcendence of God should cause worship to come and spring forth. He is beyond our comprehension, and worship should be the outcome. Worship your God, for he is far above our ability to comprehend. God is transcendent.